Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Jew Podcast, where we dive deep into Torah and Judaism to uncover its hidden beauty. Come join us as we take a closer look and breathe new life into traditional Jewish ideas. And now, here's your host, Rabbi Moshe Siegel. Hello, and welcome back to the Thinking Jew Podcast. We're currently in the middle of a period on the Jewish calendar known as the Nine Days, which takes place each year during the first nine days of the Jewish month of Av. These nine days are a period of mourning in which we reflect on the many tragedies that have befallen the Jewish nation over the generations. The climax of this period is the last day called Tishabav, which is a historically tragic day. At the forefront of all of the loss and tragedy is the destruction of the holy temples in Jerusalem. While the temples were standing, there was a place in our world where you could enter and experience God in a real way. You sinned, you had a place to reconnect. You felt distant or just lacking connection, you can go there and tangibly rekindle that deep relationship. Kabbalah explains that the temples served as the point of connection between the physical and spiritual worlds. And while the temples were functioning, the spiritual energy that permeated the building was palpable even to the least spiritually inclined people. However, once the light of the world, as our sages refer to the temple, was destroyed, a darkness fell over the world, clouding our ability to interact with our spiritual source. To better understand the significance of this loss, I suggest going back and listening to episode 37. But in today's episode, I want to discuss a different question. And that is, why did God allow the temples to get destroyed? Don't we need that in our lives? There are so many people that I talk to all the time that are struggling with the concept of God and spirituality. In our ever-evolving physical world, many think of spirituality and religion as an ancient relic still practiced by people that just never managed to enter the modern world. But imagine if we had the ability to walk into the temple. Imagine if there was a possibility in our world to have an immersive spiritual experience. It would remove all doubts. It would help so many people refocus their lives around what's really important. So why? Why did God destroy the temples? Why did God remove this ability from within us? So to truly understand why God does anything is really beyond human comprehension. I can't possibly attempt to answer that. However, I'm going to share with you today a thought that I've gleaned from my rabbis that I think might resonate with you as a potential thought regarding this topic. So I want to start with a fascinating paragraph from Maimonides Rambam. In his great work, Mishnah Torah, under the section of the laws of learning Torah, he writes as follows, Even though it's a mitzvah to learn Torah during the day and night, one can only learn the majority of his learning at nighttime. Therefore, one who wishes to become a Torah scholar should take advantage of all his nights and not squander them. And later in the paragraph he writes, The joy of Torah is only experienced during the night. So what is Maimonides trying to teach us here? Why is nighttime better for learning Torah than the daytime? Why is that when we have to acquire a majority of our Torah study? In Jewish thought, daytime, when the sun is shining, always represents clarity of purpose and of mission. Feelings of connectedness, joy, positivity. Daytime. 
while nighttime is the opposite. It's a time of darkness, evoking feelings of loneliness and difficulty or struggle. So why would it be that Torah is acquired specifically during the night? I think Maimonides is hinting at a very deep concept here. Think back to a teacher you once had or an amazing speaker you once heard, someone who you both learned from and were inspired by. Often, while sitting in the class, you'll be blown away by the lesson or the message and the clarity through which this educator is able to deliver it. Yet when you get home and your spouse or a friend asks you, oh, what they speak about, you'll struggle to explain it. While attempting to recap it, you might say something kind of vague and general about the topic, but you often lack the ability to really give over that same nuanced clarity and inspiration that the educator themselves expressed. Now contrast that and think of a speech you delivered yourself. It can be one for work or perhaps when you delivered in your synagogue or at a wedding or celebration, any capacity, but it should be a speech that you worked on personally. If someone asks you afterwards what you spoke about, you can easily break down the idea and answer any questions they may have about it. Now, if I were to ask you who gave the better speech, the professional speaker or you, you'll most likely say the professional speaker. But if I ask you which one did you gain more from, if you think about it, the answer will most likely be the one you gave yourself. Even though perhaps the eloquence, depth, and clarity were better by the inspirational speaker, but you gained more wisdom from the speech you worked on yourself. You always acquire more wisdom when you work through a topic on your own than when you're just spoon-fed information. And this is true in all of life. Every parent wants to help their child, but there's always that balance. If the parents do everything for their child, the kid will never learn how to do things on their own. They'll never acquire the necessary life skills. And even though like that great speaker who speaks better than you, a parent can probably accomplish the task much better than their child can. But like the speech you gave yourself, the child needs to work through it themselves to acquire the necessary skills. This is the balance between the inspirational clarity of a teacher versus the struggle and thereby acquisition of a student. And it needs to always be in balance. If the mentor does too much for the pupil, they'll cripple their growth like we mentioned. But the flip side is true also. If they don't do enough, then the child or student might be grappling in the dark with no direction or knowledge of what to do at all and will never grow or learn that information. I believe this is what Maimonides is trying to tell us as well. Even though you must study during the day and night, the majority of one's learning is accomplished at night. On a philosophical level, perhaps he means that even though one can listen to amazing Torah classes, and hear tremendous clear inspiration from great teachers like a shining sun, one's primary learning will always be that which they struggle through on their own. The information that was difficult, but they went through the texts inside and figured it out. And even if it won't result, with the same clarity that you'd have from your teacher's lecture, but it's yours, you own it, and it'll stick with you much better. The same way we need this balance with Torah study, with raising children, and in life in general, we need it in our relationship with God as well. And perhaps this is the reason why God removed the temples and doesn't give us such open access to spirituality nowadays. Imagine walking into a place in which godliness was so palpable that you can touch it, where miracles are occurring everywhere around you. The clarity of connection to God is at such a maximum without any of your personal involvement. It's just happening to you.
When you leave that place, what would you take with you? When you return home, will you be able to tell your spouse what it felt like to be connected to God in that moment? What living a spiritually infused life really feels like? Probably not. Like that amazing speaker, your experience will be inspirational and lucid, but it will only last as long as you're inside of the experience. You won't own it. So God removed the temples. In essence, telling us, I have to rebalance the equation. I can't freely give you this feeling of spiritual connection anymore because you won't acquire it like that. I need you to work on it and discover it yourself. I need you to find spirituality in your life and make it yours. And even if what you find won't be as pure and inspirational as walking into the temple, but it'll be yours. And I'll just end with a blessing that we should recognize the opportunity of the darkness, of the struggles of life, and how even though it's difficult, that's where we have the ability to actualize ourselves and become the greatest people that we can become. May this year be the last year sitting on the floor mourning the loss of the temples as we pray that Mashiach should come soon and we should rebuild the third temple speedily in our days. Until next time, have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Jew podcast and for taking the time to study Torah and deepen your connection to Judaism. If you found value in today's episode, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or topic requests for Rabbi Moshe, please email the Thinking Jew podcast at gmail.com or visit thethinkingjew.com.